0: Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God.
1: Thanks, Peter. Good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Scott, so glad to have you with us here. I've uh, been away for a couple weeks. Sometimes people say, Well, how's, how's our pastor doing? Um, Answer is great. Week vacation followed up with a weekend marriage retreat. Uh, so, feeling very, very filled up and uh, encouraged. And uh, when checking in on how things went in my absence, people said, You know, Anna preached, she was wonderful, an apprentice who's one of the most gifted young leaders in the city. He preached amazing. They were like you. But even better, it was shorter. So I was like, <laughs> "All right, point taken. Keep it short this week." So, um, um, in all seriousness, I want to pray. And uh, today, the message um, is called uh, "Grace That Gives," and uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, giving, but in much more broader context. And and the the punchline uh, is there on your bulletin outline about. Real grace is when we receive from the Lord, uh, we want to pour it out. We want others to be touched by it. So uh, if you're visiting this morning, please know that um, it is awkward and uncomfortable when churches are in seasons where they're talking about money. But um, I'm very comfortable that there's a word for each one of us this morning that transcends buildings and even finances uh, about grace and our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me now? Father God, thank you so much for uh, just your community, your people, your men and women, and uh, the chance to sing together, Lord, chance to gather together, to stand and talk to other people, to know that we're not alone, that we're a human being that matters. It's very easy, Lord, in in the church and out of the church to feel very alone. I pray for those that uh, are here this morning that feel alone, that feel uh, brokenhearted. We thank you for those, Lord, that are here this morning just in places of great gratitude and thankfulness and enjoying the the seasonal sunbreak, and Lord, we, we gather together in one tent this morning under your name, uh, covered by your grace and your mercy, and we pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts, that we would be more like you, and that we would hear from you afresh in the teaching of your scriptures. In your great name we pray, amen. As I mentioned, our um, message is titled Building Faith, Grace That Gives, and uh, one of our Leaders made the comment, uh, which was well-received. He said, Scott, you always say at the beginning of your sermon, welcome, we're glad you're here, and then you sound like you're depressed. And I'm like, I'm super, super glad to be with you this morning. Quite frankly, when I first step up here every time, it's like me just trying to like, all right, deep breathe, and don't just cry your way through this. There's something about sitting here and hearing you sing, it just wrecks me every time. And so if I, if I ever seem like bummed out, I mean, that happens too. But more times than not, I'm just, I'm super overwhelmed. Um, this has been an overwhelming week. Uh, back from vacation, back in, you know, you, you, you go and then you come back and there's stuff to do and we all get it. How's life? It's full. It's busy. Um, it was a particularly heavy week in the life of one of my close friends. And I want to tell you briefly about this story because I think there's illustration in your own life. Okay, so just bear with me. This is a, this is a personal story. I think it bears witness into your own life as well. So um, Monday night, full, busy, you know, lots going on. The Holy Spirit, uh, let me know. You need to reach out to this, this young friend of yours. He's um, 22. We're friends. We don't spend a lot of time together. Holy Spirit said that. I don't often hear from the Holy Spirit like that. And, and sometimes I don't listen. I'm busy. You know, I'm I'm, you know, I, I make that mistake all the time. And, and luckily, I heard from the Lord, you're supposed to reach out to this friend. And so I just, I Facebooked him, hey man, if you want to hang out, let me know. And he was right back to me 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later. I'd love to. Things have been messy. I'd love to hang. And so then my mind went to that thing of like, all right, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, next week, this is really busy. But there was just enough in his words back to me that I knew he needs somebody. He needs me to be available to him. I said, tomorrow? He says, yes. We gathered the next day, Tuesday morning, coffee, friendship, hearing from him, prayed for him, to say, you know, he's like, I'm worried about lots of things, and I'm worried about my mom. Wednesday, missing woman. Thursday, body found. It's in our community. And Thursday, I drove down to the police station, to be with my friend, his brothers, father, family, friends from many of us in this community. If you don't know what I'm talking about, lessons to you, many of us are like, okay, hey, we're there, we know that, it's at my kid's school, or you know, we know this family. <clears throat> Driving downtown Edmonds, I was actually angry at God. If I can just be totally real, you've heard me say it before, my one gift, vulnerability. I just look like a mess in front of you, and you know, your life isn't as bad as my life, and then you can leave. and. Uh, and I'm mad at God. God, I don't know how I can be available here. I've never done this before. A young man who's lost his mother. I don't feel prepared. I don't feel equipped. I got to the police station, and honestly, I'm like, I think like, it'd be cool if there's a couple of pastors here and other people. There's probably a crowd. There was not a crowd and I'm outside the police station. The detective comes out and he says, do you want to come in? I said, I'm going to just hang here and pray for the family. And I'm out there and I'm mad at God. God, I can't do this well. I think you've got the wrong guy. This is Moses in Numbers 11. This is Scott on Thursday morning outside the Evans police station. I think you've got the wrong guy. And I'm praying and I'm wrestling. And, and all of a sudden there's my friend. And he's crying, but now he's next of kin and planning and just doing an amazing job just to see how the brokenness has already increased his capacity for leadership because our brokenness and our pain increases capacity. God doesn't do these things to us, but God works through our brokenness to increase us. So when people experience brokenness in our lives, we can say, I'm with you, I stand with you, I'll sit with you, I'll cry with you, and Lord will make sense of this later in the future. And we hugged and then... He's like, hey, you know what? Like my family would really love you. You just want to come and hang out. We spent all day together. And it was a beautifully sacred day. And walking back to my car, I can only tell you, because I don't get this often. I'm not playing the pastor card. I'm playing that this is our faith card. I'm walking back to my vehicle, absolutely tingling, that the Lord trusted me to be available to this friend. The Lord's grace, me a sinner, to be a blessing in the lives of other people. When we talk about generosity, what do you hear? When we talk about generosity and the grace that gives, it, it makes us uncomfortable. But the truth is this, when we open the scriptures today, there's this piece of us as God's people that is always calling us, always beckoning us to be hearing the love of Jesus first here and then here. It's always been that way. And if you go here first, if you're just out doing, you're not going to have a whole lot to say. And if it's all just here and you're just full of the Holy Spirit, but you're not pouring into his community, it's a missed opportunity from a world that needs the grace of Jesus Christ. And so, as we look at the scriptures today, that we're going to look at the, pretty much the entirety of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I want to talk briefly about the context to this, both then and now, and then we're going to get into this. So, the context matters then, context matters now. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, if you've been around the church, if you've read Corinthians before, you've probably heard about this. The context matters a lot. When Paul talks about giving in Second Corinthians 8 and 9, there's this situation that's arisen. Many of you know the story. Some of you, it's like, ah, I don't really know. Scott can you unpack it? So in, in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul's gone back. Uh, he's getting ready to go back to the church at Corinth. The scholars say there's actually four letters, of which two survived, which they actually think was number two and number four. We're missing one and three. But in this letter, Second Corinthians, Paul's saying, I'm coming back, and we're going to finish the job. We're going to raise money for the church in Jerusalem. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that God's people located in Israel and Jesus was killed there and there in Israel is where the Holy Spirit came and in the story of Acts where the gospel goes out, it starts in the epicenter of Jerusalem. And then the, the grace goes out, the gospel goes out, and then Paul, throughout Acts, really excited. In Easter, we're gonna after Easter, we're gonna start about a ten week Acts series and just study how the church grows and, and expands, and God does these surprising things. And and so now Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, he's saying, you know, there's there's this thing that's happening in, in Jerusalem. There there's famine. There's horrible things happening. People are dying, and people are being persecuted, and so I want you to finish the job. We're going to collect money in Corinth to go back to Jerusalem, to a place they would never have been before and will never go again. This audacious call to action is actually really helpful then. This was a huge deal to tell new believers, Greek and Gentile believers by and large, that they were to collect an offering and send it back to the home church of Jerusalem. The context matters then. The context matters now. You have it in your hand, you have a pledge card, you have a, you have a building faith. What's going on? Well, let me just give you the thumbnail sketch. And again, you don't have to give anything you really don't have to give anything. So I'm just going to alleviate that. I don't have henchmen about ready to pass bags and plates. Nobody leaves until we get. No, you don't have to give anything. But just want to just context. We're on the same page. A couple of years now, we've been in a, a, a campaign. We're at the tail end of it called B- Cascading. And people have generously and radically pledged $6.75 million to this campaign. That's incredible. There's six campuses. Uh, we're the second biggest. People from all the campuses like, ah, oh, we're going to do this thing so that the church can be local and relational and contextual. There was going to be a $4 million building at Green Lake. It's a long story. You can read online, but this is where it's community life. This is our food bank, and this is kids, and this is our homeless ministry. It's, it's going to be awesome. It's a place to be a blessing. It's needed. Just if we, rep- if we just did the, the retrofit, uh, just, to, just to fix some things wrong with the building, it's about a million dollars. Remember a couple years ago with, with uh, uh, 99, we, the lawmakers couldn't decide what to do, and so they just did like nothing before they tore it down, and it cost millions of dollars. Like, oh, that seems like kind of a waste. So if we did nothing, it would be a million dollars. So we're going to build a new building, 4 million, and then the rest of the 2.75 would be split in half between retiring debt, huge value for many people in church, and then the rest of that half, it would be a split between the other five campuses. That was money that we used, Bethany North, 150000 to do our renovation called The Junction, which has made national news through Young Life magazine, how we partner with Young Life, how we serve people on Tuesday mornings. It's a coffee shop. It's our office. It's amazing. We use this money already. Well, the project of $4 million got tied up, and the cost of construction in Seattle, all these things happened. The project went up $1.5 million dollars. And the leaders came together and said, Well, we could just use more of this cascading money, but that wouldn't be honest. Because we told people we would build a building for this number. We can't use that other money. There's a gap. There's a $1.5 million gap. And the goal here in the month ahead is to just close that gap. You don't have to give. The awesome thing when you have a church of 3,000 people, if everyone's like, I can give 10, I give 20, I give 100, I give 500, we actually would close that in two weeks. Again, the context matters is be the last that I really need to talk about that. Just so you, like, we're all on the same page. And again, if you're, if you're new this morning, don't be scared. Don't be scared. So Paul is saying here in Second in, in, uh, Corinthians, you should have your Bible open because we're going we're to do a Bible study here. Second Corinthians 8 and 9, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. He's writing a letter to Corinth talking about a different place in Macedonia. Macedonia, church mostly talked about in Philippians, the first church in Europe, kind of north of Greece and kind of northeast of Greece. He says, if we wish to make known to you, again, he's writing to the Corinthians about what's happening in Macedonia, verse 2, that in a great ordeal of affliction, they're very, very poor. But in affliction, their abundance of joy and deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. He's talking about giving. He's like, you guys in Corinth, this thing is amazing. The Macedonians, they have nothing. They have nothing. And, and they're doing this radical giving there. Paul's like, my mind is blown. Verse 3, I testify that according to their ability, the Macedonians, and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Paul's saying there's something about giving that's, that's surprising and, and, and audacious and, and just radical. And then, what Paul does in the next two chapters is he doesn't use the Greek word for money at all. He instead talks about grace. And he talks about what's happening here, this collection. He's saying it's more than money. More than money, verse 6. So we urge Titus, as he previously made a beginning, that we would complete in you the gracious work as well. He said it's all a matter of grace. And so this would be one that'd be fun to just have a couple more hours to talk about. But I just, I need to move quickly here. We're going to study all of 8 and 9. But just trust me on this and study it this week on your own. In 8 and 9, Paul is talking about giving, but he's talking about grace. And in this way, he's saying, when we're generous with our time, with our money, with our availability, with our grace itself, the grace starts to give the grace starts to grow. When we're able to invest in the lives of others, God is able to increase that capacity in us. When he says, Scott, be available for this young man. He can take me into the holy of holies, a family at the very edge of brokenness, to be the Lord's hands and feet. I'm not able to get there on my own. Do you understand what I'm saying? You might say, well, I'm not sure I want to be in that room, but just you guys, trust me, the best journeys, the best of them are when we're totally open and available to what the Lord wants to do in us, through our roommates and families, through our businesses. This is, this, we're not talking about money right now. We're talking about grace in us, moving through us. And so, this is our big idea, that the followers of Christ have a call and a capacity for great generosity, rooted in the grace of the cross that leads his people to experience profound sense of gratitude and joy. Gratitude and joy flows when we're able to give. Time, availability, grace. We're going to cover what giving looks like. It's so much more than money. Let's begin here at the beginning. Paul says in verses 8 through 15 of chapter 8, he says, first things first, finish the job. This is your first point in your outline. First things first, Paul's saying, I want you to finish the job. Before Paul even returns to Corinth, he says, Finish the job. Finish the job. Verses 8 through fifteen, Second Corinthians 8, Paul writes this. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. But now finish doing it also, so there also is readiness to desire that, and they may also be the completion of it by your abilities. He's talking now about the giving, but he's using the words of grace. Verse 12, for if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have, For this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction, but by way of equality. At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need, so that their abundance also may become supply for your need, that they may be equality. Now that's interesting. The Corinthians had a lot of money. And he's saying here, interchangingly, he's talking about an offering, and he's talking about grace. But he says in verse 14, if your abundance can give them something, their abundance will give you something. And every one of us in the room that's been privileged enough to to step in to the lives of others, we can can speak towards that. Like we went as the missionary, we went as the young life leader, we went as the teacher, the professor, the mother, we went with the one to give. And then there's these moments where we, we realize we've actually received more than we gave. What he's talking about here, and he's talking both about the financial giving, but he's talking about also about the giving of grace. In verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 8, it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. So Paul's saying, first, finish the job. We need to finish the job. He's talking now about the offering. He's he's actually saying when he gets back to Corinth, he wants the whole offering complete. He'll say later on in the book, he says, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time kind of haranguing about it and discussing it. I just want it done so we can get back to the work of relationship. And if I can be totally honest and real with you, I, I, that's me. Can we, just, can we just quit talking about money? Let's just talk about the stuff we're doing because the stuff we're doing is awesome. And it needs money. I mean, that's just the reality. And you might, again, you don't need to contribute to this. But we're going to build a building that we don't actually inhabit very much as people of Bethany North. That's crazy. But we've got to finish the job. We've got to finish the job. Just, let's just get it done so that in the time, when the time is right, when this church, which is about 600 or so, well, what if we want a building? Well, we, could, we might do that. What if we don't want a building because we can be on mission without a building and what if we keep growing and what if we plant another campus in, in Edmonds or Linwood or Everett or like, what if we did that? Like, We could we could do that. What if we continue to dream about international missions or, or ways to, to bless people? Like, that's all super exciting stuff. We just got to finish the job. We just got to kind of wrap this up this season, get this building built, and then continue on in the legacy of this church, which for 100 years has been doing amazing stuff. It's hard news to finish the job, though, right? Because I don't know if you're anything like me, but it's much easier to think, you know, if, I had a, if I had a different job, my life would be easier but a different roommate, different relationship, a different family of origin. If I I just had something different, then I could do that completion work much, much easier. Like it or not, the reality that we sit under is this. All of us are dealt with certain cards. We've got to play the hand. Play the hand that God has given us and be able, through the playing of the life we already live, bear witness that we believe in him and he's at work. We've got to finish the job, Paul says. And it's amazing because there's literally a famine going on in Israel that historians can trace back. And Paul is kind of teaching the people that even in the worst famines you'll experience, he's telling the Corinthians, you can be a blessing here. You can be a light here. You know, I was talking with some, some families yesterday about what's been happening in this greater community with the loss of, of, of this uh, woman And and many people say, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But isn't it true that oftentimes when you're grieving, you just want somebody to be with you? You don't want the right words, and you certainly don't want somebody to explain how it's all going to make sense. You just want somebody there. And so Paul says, grasp the grace of Christ and be present, and then the grace will beget generosity and then in time, Paul says, your generosity will beget gratitude and the gratitude joy. It's an outside-in process. And so often we kind, of, we kind of get that wrong. We think, you know, if I have joy, then I'll be grateful. If I'm grateful, then I'll be generous. And then generous, I'll be able to testify to the grace of the cross. I love that. So God, if you could just kind of line up this, 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 and this, then I'll be able to do this. And this is why so often our behavior doesn't match our belief. Because many of us get tricked into thinking that our behavior is the last thing to change. In reality, Paul talks about over and over and over again to the Corinthians and others is, says, change your behavior first and your heart will follow. So this has all sorts of repercussions in our relationships and our habits. It transcends far more than giving, but it's true with giving too. If you're not grateful by nature... If you're struggling with contentment, one way Paul says the pathway towards more gratitude and joy is, is actually just giving through money, time, availability, grace. I'm going to talk about it in a moment. We've got to finish the job, we've got to, we've got to be generous people. We, um, we moved from California. I, at this point, didn't know that we were going to be um, leading a church, frankly. And we found this quaint little brick church on the north side of Green Lake that just taught the truth of the Bible and had a really great pastor that just was very real. And I was like, man, I, I like this place. It's called Bethany Community Church. Been there about 85 years at that time. Like, I like it. Doesn't, it's not cool. It's not hip. It's real. I'll take it. And they did a building campaign because at that time they were at five services. For, for the vision to expand, it takes financial resources. Ask any business person in here. They'll tell you what they want to do, but they know it needs equity. The dream needs to be financed, right? Your dream of home ownership needs to be financed. Your dream of sometimes wanting to be pregnant and you can't needs to be financed. It's just the reality that we live in. And so we were in a season then, many years ago, to build a new building at Green Lake. And we sold our house at the time. My wife had this great idea. So we could give 10% of all the proceeds in the, on the house in a booming real estate market when we were getting ready to buy another house. This was not good news to your pastor, if I can be totally honest. I was like, "Timber understands a lot. Um, let's, uh, you know, let's think about this, honey, because this money we gotta, we gotta do this thing with. But I love your heart, you know, kind of condescending. And, um, <laughs> we didn't even know then. It's not even our church now. Uh, I've worked for the church, we don't worship there. I don't regret it for a moment, okay? Not for a moment. We, we help build a building that's transformed lives in this whole city. And fast forward a couple years, we didn't even know then. We lost a baby, you've heard my story. Nine months in utero, deliver, funeral, nightmare, grief. We go into that building and sit in the front row for a worship service for our now deceased son. Same building. We didn't know that we were funding the place where we would someday have a memorial. I was grateful for it then, I'm grateful for it now. Finish the job. The second piece here we need to unpack as we get into chapter 9 is that generosity as a fruit grows as a result of our giving. It's kind of a mouthful. Look at it again. Generosity is a fruit, as a spiritual gift. Romans 12 actually lists giving as a spiritual, a spiritual gift, a spiritual gifting. Generosity as a fruit grows as a result of our giving. Again, it's inside out. We don't just wait till we get more resources than we give. That somehow through Bible here in 2 Corinthians 9, that generosity is a fruit that will actually grow the more we give. And that doesn't make sense for those of you like me that are naturally struggle with giving. When your wife says 10%, you're like, are you crazy? We we need to remodel the house. But generosity grows the more you feed it. It's amazing. The giving gives... Uh, leads towards thanksgiving and the contentment and the joy and all the things that we want. This is 2 Corinthians 9, verses 1 through 6. Paul continues, It's superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I've sent the brothers there in order. Our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case." Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we not speak to you, we will be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised gift. Again, not using a a Greek word for money. He's actually using a Greek word for grace, eucharisto. So that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift. Verse six, now I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's not a threat here, but it's a, it's a teaching of the kingdom math that somehow the more that we pour out, even when we're tired and we make ourselves available for a 22-year-old young friend, God will grow that. We give out of our resources, and God will grow that. And we, 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 we shed grace on somebody that maybe doesn't deserve it, but God, God grows that. It's this unbelievable accounting in the, in the new kingdom math. That as we give, things start to multiply. The giving leads to thanksgiving. In Mark 10, 45, it's written that Christ came to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this then becomes a core metaphor of our faith: that we've been ransomed. It's a financial term. We've been ransomed. Christ came to give his life as a ransom for many, that Christ actually paid his life as a deposit for our freedom. Ransomed. We should be living in that context, that we experience a grace that we don't deserve, that we didn't even ask for, and and somehow we've we've been ransomed, and this is, this is our calling. You, you remember that parable in Matthew 18 where the, de- the, the man was forgiven by his master and then he goes out into the street and he's like holding the guy like, he's, you, know, you owe me money, which was at a far smaller amount than what he'd just been forgiven. We've got to be forgiven much if we want to forgive much. So let's, let's break that in half. First off, we've got to be forgiven much. We need to experience the grace of Jesus Christ in our life. We're in a season of Lent. I hope in all the busyness and chaos, you're just able to just, just every day open your heart. Lord, thank you for the gift of your life for mine. I don't, I've been ransomed. I don't deserve it. We've got to be forgiven much, and then we need to forgive much. And generosity will start to grow as a result of our giving. So there's four ways that Paul talks about here throughout 2 Corinthians. I'm going to highlight them. four ways we're called to give. And God wants to, us to be blessed as we give things away. So let's, let's look at four quick ways we're called to give in the scriptures. First is this, the first thing we're called to give is our money. I'm actually gonna start here because it's the easiest. It's actually easiest for, not all of you, some of you are like, you have no idea how, thing, how tight things are right now. In the book of Mark, a woman gave two pennies and Jesus says, it "Honored." it's not the amount. It's opening up our heart and being generous. Sometimes the easiest thing to do is to, to give our money. You've heard me speak about it before that we invest in Young Life Leaders in Shoreline and so we buy pizzas. Every Monday there's 65 pizzas and over 200 kids that come from Shorecrest and, and Shoreline High School and they, they get free lunch. It costs money. We, we, you pay for that with us. We pay for that. We buy pizza for kids. Why? It's pizza. It's Domino's. No offense. but <laughs> We're investing. And the Young Life leaders hand out pizza and they said, hey, do you want to come back to Young Life Club? And the Junction hosts Young Life Club, also the Young Life Club. We're investing. The pizza becomes a pathway toward more relationship. One day, about a year ago, a man came in and he's like, this is awesome. He's off the street. We don't know him. He's in the coffee shop and it's chaos. 200 kids. If you've been on there, been in the Junction on a Monday, you know, it just can be nutty. And he's like, this is great. I, I want to be part of this. How do I be part of this? I want, I want to pay money. Like, man, it, Actually received him and like okay um, thank you Uh, and and he he gave a hundred dollars like this is so awesome I want to he shows up the next week he's like I was just driving by but I've been thinking about this all week here's a thousand dollars we've never seen this guy again unless that's one of you thank you for that gift (laughs) it's the point. He experienced something there. He's like, wow, kids, young life leaders, pizza, gospel, kingdom. When we give, we actually become the recipients. And so we're called to just give. And if you want to talk about that more, you can. It just, it's part, many of us don't like, but it's all throughout the scriptures. We're called to, to give back uh, to the church, to the parachurch, to the work in the third world. I and mean, it's just, it's part of our calling as believers in Christ. The second thing we're, time to call, uh, second thing we're called to give is our time. Your time, your time reflects your values. What do you value? My marriage or my my friends or, okay. Like, make a list sometime. How does your time reflect your values? Husbands and wife, you say each other. How does your time reflect your values? Your time reflects your values. It's been busting me all year. I can't make a claim as a great husband and father if my schedule doesn't reflect it. Your time matters. And frankly, people in this community... And I'm one of us, okay, say this is your friend, it's your pastor. Many of us would rather give $100 than an hour of our life, right? We'd rather give $100 than an hour because our time is short, and I understand that. The scriptures talk about investing our time and being able to be used as a blessing in others because we just showed up and we were available, we got to invest our time. I had this mentor who I started to meet with this year, and frankly, I felt honored that he would meet with me. He's outside the organization, and he's done a lot of great ministry. And the first meeting, it was kind of awkward. I'm like, um, and every one of us in this room, I hope you have somebody investing in you. And it can't be a pastor. It's, it's somebody that's walked ahead of you. It's somebody in your family, often out of your family. And it feels awkward setting it up, but you just need you need that voice. And some of you kind of in the last... Third of life, this is a great opportunity to be an investment backwards and to look into the young mom and to be a table leader at Mops and pour into her or kids in your neighborhood or people in the church. We need each other. So I I met the first time with this guy and I was just shocked that he would just give me his time because I know people would rather give you $100 than an hour. And I said, why, why, frankly, are you here? You don't even know me. We have a mutual friend. What are you doing here? You're so busy. And he said, Scott, a mentor told me this. Never say no, because when somebody's reaching out to you, you don't know what God wants to say through them. Yeah, you got to have boundaries, and we got to have time to work and not work. This isn't that, but sometimes I can be very stingy with my time. The Lord says our time matters. It reflects our values. The third thing we're called to give is our emotional availability. We're called to really care about people. And Prentice did a wonderful job preaching about this. This is the incarnation that we, by the nature of the gospel, we are called to be emotionally available to people in our families, in our streets, and in our church, and in our jobs. We've got to be available. And Thursday morning, we had a training for the community breakfast on Aurora, just the wonderful people that served the Tuesday morning breakfast. And you know what we did? We brought an expert in. Both an expert of homelessness advocacy from Washington, D.C., who works with one of the leaders, but then another expert. I think we have this picture. His name is Irish Nick. If you hang out at the junction very much, you're going to meet Nick. He's an expert on homelessness because he's been homeless. He said, you have no idea how much it means when somebody says hi and looks in my eyes. You know, I can't be emotionally available, Scott. You know, I'm raising kids and I'm doing this. Small moments matter. That's what he told me. He told me that. He said, tell your friends. When people just say hi or or ask my story, he doesn't want anything from you. He just wants to know that your heart is open. If God God stirs a conversation, we've got to be emotionally available. And finally and most difficult for me this week with situations I'm walking through, we're called to give our grace. Not cheap grace, Seattle grace, that says, oh, hey, yeah, no, everything's fine. No, no, I mean real grace. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's hard to forgive people when they're not real. So if you're in this room this morning like, you know, this is good news because she needs to have grace for me or he needs to have grace for me or they need to have grace for me, I, I want to encourage that. Just be real. I mean, when you're just real with people, like, you know, I made this mistake. You know, I, 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 can you forgive me? It really sets the table for people being able to be graceful with you. It really does. There's no replacement for authenticity and vulnerability. We preached about that a couple weeks ago. And for the rest of us in the room, many of us are carrying burdens from the past that we just don't want to let go of. And they become a, an impact to our own capacity to love well. The grace of the cross came for us, the unforgivable. So, who can't we forgive? I see no explanation for who you can't forgive when I read my Bible. And right now, I'm preaching to my own heart because grace is hard. A very good friend of mine, I kind of poured out some of the stuff I'm going through, and he said, Hey, you know what? Have grace for them. I'm like, Oh, yeah, I'm preaching on that on Sunday. It's much easier to tell others to do it than do it yourself. We're called to give grace. Man, I could go on all day. This is good stuff. Let's look at our third point. The fruit of giving, like grace, multiplies when we give it away. This is the conclusion of 2 Corinthians 9. This is verses 7 through 15. Now we're getting into God's arithmetic. The the, the fruit starts to truly multiply when it's being given away. This is verse 7 through 15. Paul writes, each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. This is crazy. He's still talking about a financial gift, but he's saying it's so much more than the financial gift. It's grace and it's righteousness. And as you, as you participate in this kingdom ethic, Paul's saying, as you really give, things start to multiply. And there's thanksgiving and there's righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in everything for our liberality, which is, which is for us producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints in Jerusalem, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. So the outward behavior starts to change the inward heart. There's thanksgiving, there's contentment, there's joy, all because people are participating. Verse 13, because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution. As you give, people will actually worship God. I don't get it. If it's not in the Bible, I wouldn't have to teach this stuff. But it's here as we give these different parts of our life that God takes that and people worship him through that verse 15 thanks be to God for his indescribable gift <laughs> i got two pages left and we're almost out of time this is just so good and i hate preaching about money but it's just not about money it's about fullness of the life of the spirit it's really hard to read these words about abundance when many of us in the room maybe feel like we're enduring scarcity. And I'm sorry that that's the season that you're in. And I want to say that we worship an abundant God. You don't have to be scared anymore. God wants to grow his gifts in you and he wants his grace to be magnified in you and all we got to do is ask. God, grow the gifts in me. God, I want to see you. I want to receive you. I want to be blessed by you. God, allow me to give my time or my money or my emotional availability. And you know the difference. Or well, your grace. God, your grace. We're called to be giving. And again, God, it's so much more than a building. Um, do that too. I mean, I'd love you to do that too. But I'm talking about I'm talking about a rich life of faith, where we're hearing from the Lord Jesus, and we're available to be His hands and His feet because we've seen something and we've experienced something. We get to play. My family. Um, I'm sorry. I've been talking a lot about myself this morning. I just I try to I try to make it personal. Um, my family has been lucky enough to contribute uh, to a ministry in Honduras and a village partnership. Just financial, not a lot of emotional availability, just a couple of years just kind of writing checks and helping with land development and people there be trained to farm and own their land. And we were lucky enough to go with our two kids two years ago. It cost money. We got down there and then we were there and then the relationship started and the the things that my kids still talk about it, and soccer game uh, broke out. You know, soccer. Just is amazing how sports become this great connector to people. Uh, and the soccer field is a forty-degree sloped pitch of rock and dirt and happiness and joy and fruitfulness. When you've been in third world. Understand that the contentment and joy some of these people know transcends our own. Wow, that's a nice effect. <laughs> We're out there in the soccer <laughs> pitch, playing the game we love with my kids and these new kids of the village, and we had given our time, we'd given our money and our emotional availability, and all the grace was ours. We're out there playing this game. That I just wish I could just freeze time. The laughter and the joy and believers in Honduras and believers from America doing this life of faith together. Amazing. When you give, the grace that comes back to you. It's a promise. Bank on it. We pray with me now? Father God, thank you so much for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this morning's worship and the chance to just gather as your people. And Lord, there's so much in here It's challenging, um, just so good to be reminded of historically how your church has served to bless people that they would never get the chance to worship with. And in that participation, Lord, they were the recipients. And so Lord, I pray for these people in this room this morning. I pray for these men and women that, Lord, as we about to take communion, that, that you would magnify your grace in their lives. Lord Jesus, I pray that for those feeling scarce and worn out, Lord, I pray that you would, you would reign into their hearts, Lord, this morning. They need you. They don't need words. They need your power. Lord, would you show up in the emptiness of their hearts But I pray for the men and women of this church, of Bethany Community Church North. Men and women that forged something out of nothing, that saw a church come from a community center. How audacious to contribute to a church when we have none. You've got something to teach us, Lord. Teach us to give. The two pence that we carry around, teach us to let it go. And Lord, whatever it is, it's our time, it's our money, it's, it's of grace, however you've spoken into our hearts this morning, Lord, as recipients of your grace, encourage us to be joyful givers and the, that the giving of whatever we can give, that it would just grow contentment and, and thanksgiving and, and, and joy in our hearts, that we would be those people, that we would be that church We don't deserve you, Lord, and yet you ransomed yourself for us. And so this morning, we just say, thank you. We receive with open hands and open eyes and open hearts, and we say, Lord, prepare us for the road ahead. It is dark and mysterious, but you're with us. In your great and awesome name we pray, amen. This is Communion Sunday, and so I've asked some friends to help serve communion. we we'll have stations down front and in the side. A perfect morning to receive communion. And yeah, I say that every month at this time. We didn't earn anything. You didn't earn anything. So you can sit there, or you can come empty-handed and say, Lord, I got nothing for you, but I want to receive your grace in my life. On the night of which he betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. And he raised the cup and he said, this is my blood. Drink of it, all of you. And the circle of men, they had no idea what he was talking about. And in many ways, 2,000 years later, we still have no idea, but we receive the grace in hopes to have something to offer this world would you pray with me as I bless the elements now Father God thank you for sending your son Jesus and Jesus Christ our Lord you gave yourself up for me and him and her and them and us would we come before you now empty handed as we approach your communion we want to say thanks make these elements alive in us In this end, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing, and it's just when the Lord prepares your heart, Scripture talks about confessing sin before you come to the table, and you just do that in your heart. And if you want to walk this journey of faith, this isn't a Bethany thing, not a doctrine thing, the table is open. Tear off a piece of the bread and dip it into the juice, or grab a gluten-free cracker and dip it in. This free gift of grace is for us, His people. Let's continue in worship.